our reading of Scripture. We're going to be in the same vein that I've been in for several months concerning the word of faith. Once you have found it, I'm going to ask that you would stand in honor of the reading of the word of God today. Romans chapter number 10, we're going to read verses 8 and 17 out of the 10th chapter. Let's read this. But what saith it? Don't you like that? Just the way it reads. It's on the screen, but just on your text there, your page. The word is nigh thee. It's in thy mouth and in thy heart. It is the word of faith which we preach. I love that. Let's just say it again. The word of faith. The word of faith which we preach. Let's jump down to the 17th verse. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Isn't that powerful? Faith comes. That's why you're here today. So that as you hear the word, there's a stimulus of faith in your heart. You're moved to believe. Romans chapter, we sing songs. I don't know if you notice, pay close attention to those songs. We sing songs that are specifically written to stimulate your faith. Saying things, you know, God has proven himself faithful. He's a God of miracles. All of those are so that you are believing it in your heart as you speak it and declare it. You believe in your heart and you speak it with your mouth. It's the word of faith. It's near you. Verse number four, the 15th chapter. We've been reading this. For whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning, right? For our learning, correct? That through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. Amen. So we can have hope. Now we're going to turn over to 1 Corinthians 10. Pastor, I know you're saying, Pastor Brown, these have been the same verses you've had uh, almost the entirety of this series. That's exactly right. You should know them by now. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to read the 11th verse first, then we're going to back up and read the 7th verse. Now, all these things happened unto them for an example, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. All these things. What things? Well, he lists several things that happened. Who's the them? It's ancient Israel. We're praying for the peace of Jerusalem today, aren't we, church family? Right? And so now and we're going to back up. And we're going to read the seventh verse. It says there, Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And lastly, we're going to turn, we we'll read five verses of Scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, real quickly, is 40 years after the narrative that we've been following in the book of Exodus. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses's, if you will, his farewell dialogue with the children of Israel. They're going to enter the promised land. He is not. So 40 years have been removed from that time, but he is telling a story. He's looking back at their experiences that happened long ago, 40 years earlier. It was fresh to us. It's where I was at last week. It's where I'm going to be this week. But it's a narrative that's recorded in the book of Exodus, chapter 32. But I'm going to read it through the lens of Moses as he is describing some of the things that took place at that time. Five verses all we're going to read. We're just kind of extracting it out. That's going to conclude the reading of Scripture. When I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord had made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. And neither did I eat bread nor drink water. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone, written with the finger of God. And on them was written according to all the words, which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. 
And it came to pass at the end of 40 days and 40 nights that the Lord gave me the two tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant. And the Lord said unto me, Arise and get thee down quickly from hence. For thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They are quickly turned aside out of the way which I have commanded them. And they have made them a molten image. It's a powerful passage of scripture. I'm going to do my very best to dialogue. Let's go back to Romans 10 and 8. The word of faith. That's the series title that I've been on for many, many weeks. To stir and challenge faith and also challenge unbelief in our heart. Sometimes I've had a word of faith. One that I've extracted and I have a word of faith for you today. And that is to keep his commandments. That's a good place to say amen, isn't it? That's the word of faith for us today. Let's see if we can develop that. Father of heaven, I'm so honored to be in this house today, to have an opportunity to be able to worship, to be able to share, Father God, in the shout, in the song, in the lifting up of hands, the clapping of hands, in the prostrating of ourselves before you. God, out of a heart of, of, of true and sincere worship. God, what a privileged opportunity that I didn't have to do it alone, that, Father, it wasn't just in the solitude of this moment, but I could look around, and from, Father, the, the, the youngest to the eldest, Father God, I could see men and women, Father, following through in the same manner. It's been the privileged opportunity that we have to worship you. And now, Father, if there's one thing in our heart that we're grateful for, we are grateful for the Word of God. We're thankful for the Word of God. We thank you, God, that you allow us to read it, meditate upon it, Father God, and then also to share it and to speak it with, with confidence, Father. And I look to you today to help me. Help me to minister your word, to teach the principles in such a way that it moves the people to believe. It stimulates and stirs their heart, God. I pray this in sincere and humble faith, God. Give me the tongue of the learned that I might have a word in season. For he that is weary, it's in Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen and amen, and you can be seated as you already are. Let's take just a little bit of time to talk about faith for a moment before we pick up the narrative here in the book of Exodus and do our very best. I thank God for this promise of faith. We have a revelation in Scripture of what faith is. We often define it within kind of the, the church culture, it's the capacity or the ability to believe. Certainly it's more than this. Faith often is more than just receiving of something from God, but it is an action. We also know that the scripture speaks about that faith is the evidence of things hoped for or, or the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are unseen. It's that desire within you of the thing of God and you have the ability to to vision it in your heart and your mind and then hope for it and long for it and by faith you receive it. Uh, by faith we receive salvation. Right? By faith we receive of the promises of God. By faith we gain the courage to be the people God's called us to be. By faith we gain the courage to go forward and do the things God's called us to do. Come on somebody, amen. Matter of fact, the Bible says if it's not a faith, it's sin. Right? So I want every part of my life to be reflective of my faith. I want to live in faith. I want to walk in faith. I want to stand in faith. And I want to speak forth faith. And I want my faith to value the thing that I see so often in Scripture is faith can grow within my own heart and life. As faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. It's cyclic to a degree. 
that I hear the word and the word stirs, stimulates within my heart the capacity or the desire to believe. And so I receive the word, I believe the word, I speak the word, and then we watch God perform his word. Amen? It's a powerful thing all through the word of God. We've taught you many times, and I'll allude to it even more today, just real quickly. Jesus was very quick to reprove unbelief. Let me just go ahead and tell you about yourself. He will, he will reprove unbelief in your life as quickly as he reproved it in the lives of his disciples. If we're honest before the Lord, the Lord will reprove unbelief in our heart and life. But he will also stop what he's doing and turn around and commend men and women for their faith. So I, and I hope you as well, want to be a person of faith. Right? And so I want to walk in faith. Well, I have found in this journey that Nothing stirs my faith like identifying with the Word of God, like seeing myself to the very best of my ability, if possible, to see myself in the context of a Scripture, to look at the example of Scripture. That's why Paul uses the word, Romans 15 and 4, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we might have hope. These were our examples upon whom the ends of the world. So, we, so we, we, we think about them, we read, and we meditate upon them. So my responsibility as your pastor then becomes that, number one, I would prepare. I tell Sister Sherry this all the time. I can prepare my head, but I have to prepare my heart. My heart has to be right before God. I have to have the, the Word of God working in my own heart and life so that when I come to you, I'm not just sharing a doctrine. I'm not just sharing a theology. I'm sharing a, a firmly rooted principle that's in my own heart and life. Now, one of the things that I hope for, the style of preaching that I do and teaching that I do, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, the apostle, or excuse me, chapter number 2, verse number 10, the apostle Paul is alluding to spiritual truths. He speaks about the spiritual things. He says the carnal man can't receive the spiritual things of God because they're foolishness unto him, to him. But you and I, those that have been born again, born by the Holy Spirit, we can receive of the things of God. The Spirit of God reveals to us spiritual truths. And then he uses a, pa a passage there, and he says, we then, we then as teachers, he said, we, we share these things by comparing spiritual truths with spiritual, period. He doesn't answer, what well, spiritual, is it spiritual? We compare spiritual truths with other spiritual truths, or do we share spiritual truths with spiritual people? I think it's a little bit of both. But for me personally, when I come to you, I've not searched, uh, you know, what, what uh, I've not searched some of the, 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 the readings that, that I could share little poems and stories. I don't do that. I don't spend my time reading, uh, what was that one book? I'm trying to think, like Reader's Digest put it out. It's like something soup for the soul. What was it? Chicken soup. I ain't got time to be reading the chicken soup for the soul when I've got the Word of God. That's just the way my mind and my heart thinks. And so, but, but I have to then search the Word, and I have to be able to take the Word and share it with those that have a spiritual interest, a desire. So that's something that I can say. So I have to, I have to uh, it's got to get in here and it's got to get in here so that when I share it, I'm not, again, just copy and pasting. I'm sharing because I deeply believe in the principles that I'm sharing with you. And I want you to know I want to be a man of faith. And I want you to be a person of faith. Come on, someone. And so today, we're going to go back on our journey. Where have we been journeying? We've been journeying with the children of Israel We've been journeying with the children of Israel as they were delivered from Egyptian bondage. 
They've been delivered from Egyptian bondage. They've been brought through the waters of the Red Sea. The waters of the Red Sea have closed over them. And they have shouted in celebration at Pharaoh and his army having been overthrown in the water. And now a journey, hopefully for them it would be a journey of faith. Obviously there's a journey of stumbling at many occasions. But it's something that you and I have the privilege opportunity to look at and to see. The children of Israel have been brought to the base of Mount Sinai. And there on Mount Sinai... The living, true, and only God. I want you to think about that for just a moment. In a day and time when there was a, they were coming out of Egyptian bondage, the Egyptians worshipped what they call in theology a pantheon of gods. A plurality of gods, of all types of gods. The sun god, the moon god, the ox god, the goat god, the cat god. All these gods but the one and the living true God comes on Mount Sinai. He descends in glory, and the mountain burns with fire, and he speaks audibly. God opens his mouth, if you will, and audibly declares the Ten Commandments for all the children of Israel to hear. Moses then is asked, as the people shrink back in fear, Moses is asked to mediate. And so he goes closer up into the presence of God. And God gives Moses that initial Torah. We've talked about it, but I've got to bring you to where we're at. And not just the Ten Commandments, but he gives him some of the initial Torah. Moses comes down, gathers the people, and Moses then, in the, in the context, the mountain here on one side, the people camped in the valley below. Moses has the not the Ten Commandments on stone. The people have heard God speak it, and Moses has written it. It's on parchment, and Moses reads the, the Ten Commandments as well as initial Torah that included civic responsibility. I went over that with you several weeks ago. And so then the Lord tells Moses, he said, to come up on the mountain again and bring lead, leaders with you. But just before he does, Moses gathers the people together. It's Exodus 24. He gathers the people one more time and he reads all that he's written down. The Ten Commandments and those initial commandments. And when he reads them, all the people, all the people, you know what they do? They profess, they say, everything God has said, we will do it. Hallelujah. Man, it's a moment. They're excited. They're celebrating. Moses goes up on the mountain with the strength of the people's profession of faith. He brings the elders of Israel with him. And while on the mountain, the Bible says, King James English, that they saw the God of Israel. Now, Jesus brought clarity later when he said, no man has seen the, the, the Father in heaven. So they would have seen the silhouette of the God of Israel. It was like paved, uh, the Bible says, invisible pavement or something under his feet. The glory, it's hard for us to fathom what that moment would have been like. But Moses then is drawn closer up on the mountain where he takes Joshua with him. And before he does, he passes the leadership to Aaron and to her. And he says, Joshua's going with me. We're going to go up in the mountain. God's called me further. He's going to, he's going to uh, share some things with me. But you're going to remain here. And he passes leadership to his brother Aaron and to her. Remember Aaron and her? They're the two that held up the hands of Moses when they fought with the Amalekites. And, and they gave him strength. So the Lord, while Moses was on the mountain, he would reveal additional Torah, including initial instruction related tabernacle and priesthood. And the scripture tells us for 40 days, Moses is on the mount. And the people are camping at the base. And so what we don't get is we don't get a little glimpse into what life was like in the daily camp. But one thing we can be confident, God was faithful. The Lord was still providing manna to the people. 
Every day out of their tent, they would get up, they would send the children out in the field, and they would come back with a basket of manna. They would beat it, they would crush it, they would pat it out into a cake. They could, uh, whatever they wanted to make, they could make it a cake, they could add water to it, make it a slurry. I, what, however they wanted to get the manna, they had the manna. God was providing water from the rock day after day. They got up, they gathered manna, they went to bed. But after about that 37th, 38th day, the people were getting restless. They were getting restless, and they were talking amongst themselves. And they said, you know, as of this Moses, we don't even know. Now, you and I get the privilege of looking back. He was there for 40 days. If it's late in that 40 days, it's about the 38th, 39th, maybe even close to the 40th day when they're, making their, 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 when they're sharing what's going on in their heart. If they only knew that Moses was just about ready to come back down, but they didn't know it, and they're getting frustrated. And somebody says, we don't even know about Moses. Some Jewish fables tell us that some were passing the lie that Moses had died. And so they're saying, we don't even know what's happened to this man Moses who brought us out of Egypt. And so they go to Aaron, and they say, Aaron, we need you to make us gods. We've got to worship. We don't even know. That was this invisible God that came down on the mountain. We don't even know about him any longer. And so Aaron fell to, and, and he fell to the pressures of the people, and he gave in to them, and he called them to give him gold, so they pluck out gold out of their ears, and, Mo, and, and Aaron takes it, and, and he throws it into the fire, and out comes up some type of image, and they shape it a little bit, and it's a, a, a calf, and when, he, when it comes out of the fire, Aaron turns to it, I'm sorry, Aaron, you just happened to be on the front row today, sorry about that, let me look this way, and so Aaron then says, these be thy gods that brought thee out of Egypt. And when he did, he said, tomorrow, so it's a weird passage of Scripture, for lack of a better word. It's an odd passage of Scripture because of some of the wording there, because he uses the plurality, gods, but then we only see one singular, the golden calf. But then on the next day, Aaron says, we're going to have a feast, and he said, but the feast is still going to be towards Yahweh. And so what it seems is, is that Moses was saying, this golden calf is going to represent the God, the invisible God that brought us out of Egypt. Now, all this is happening while Moses is up on the mount. And so when Moses is up on the mount, the scripture says, on the morrow, the following day, this is that passage, the scripture says that the people sit down to eat and they rise up to play. Now, we have a lot of speculation theologically about what took place. But it seems as if they began to dance, most likely erotically, before the golden calf. Because when Moses did come down, he found the folks naked. So they're dancing erotically in front of the calf as they're worshiping it, calling it the God that brought them out of Egypt. So Moses is still in the presence of God. So I'm doing my best to just take about three or four chapters here and condense it to share. Because I want to take you to where I want you to be in just a moment. So God tells Moses, you need to get down. So this is why I don't announce when I'm leaving town. Just to be honest. <laughs> That's funny right there. I don't care where you're from. The people have quickly corrupted themselves and turned out of the way. And so God reveals to Moses the error of the people. But you know what? If you read that passage in Exodus 32 and 33, it seems to me as if it's a test to Moses and his heart to the people. Because God tells Moses, he says, I'm fixing to wipe them all out. I'm fixing to destroy the whole nation, and I'm going to start with you. Instead of the Israelites, it's going to be the Mosaites. Mosaites, Mosaites, it's going to be something Mosaites. 
And Moses falls down before God. It shows you his heart. And he says, God, you can't do this. You can't do this. These are your people. And the Bible says that God relented of what he would do to the people. And he sends Moses back down. Moses is coming down the mount. He's got a tablet of stone in each hand, left hand, right hand. He's coming down the mountain, and he discovers. And as they're getting close, though, Joshua, his servant, said, Man, I think the people are getting ready for war. And Moses said, That's not the sound of war I hear in the camp. That's the Sam Pittman said, Turn on the jukebox. That's what that is. They're dancing in there. This is crazy. And so he comes down, and he discovers exactly what I've already told you, that the people have cast off their clothing, and they're dancing in an erotic fashion in front of an idol that has been fashioned. And so the first thing he does is he casts the Ten Commandments down and breaks them. He breaks the Ten Commandments. He then has them ground up into a powder-like form. And remember that rock that's following them, that's bringing water to the people? He casts the dust of the Ten Commandments on the rock and causes the people to have to drink it. He then pulls Aaron over and he says, Aaron, what have you done? What did the people do to you? What, what did they do to you to manipulate you so bad that you would then do what you know not to do? And then Moses, I mean, this is a hard passage. It's a hard passage. Moses then calls the Levites and he said, get a sword on your side. And they get a sword on their side. It's got real quiet in here. And they go through the camp. And they begin to draw out people that participated in the feast. And 3,000 Israelites die at the sword of the Levites on that day because of their gross immorality. The Bible says this, the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf. There's a couple things I want to draw your attention to. It's going to lead me to where I want to take you today. There's something that I began to notice that I was, as I was praying about this passage of Scripture. First of all, let me tell you, in Jewish culture, in the Jewish culture, apart from the original sin in the Garden of Eden, they looked to the golden calf as the most long-lasting negative effect upon all the children of Israel, this incident. It bears our attention today. So y'all stay with me. Something glaringly noticeable to me as I studied, as I thought about where I've been, about hearing the word, believing the word, and speaking the word. I'm going to make a statement. I want you to catch it. It sounds real simple, but in context of where I want to take you today, I want you, to, I want you to catch hold of it. Confessing is not believing. Just because you say something doesn't mean that you really believe it. Let me tell you, obeying in context to what I'm talking about, that's believing. You want to know what faith is? Faith is believing, and faith is obeying the Word of God. So let me tell you, let me show you this real quickly. This is going to help you to see it. It's not going to be, I, 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 it is remorseful, but I think it's going to be empowering for you and I here in just a moment as we see it. But we have to look at it in the right lens. The sin of the golden calf is magnified because of something. Here's what was magnified. Because prior to Moses going up on the mount, the people had heard the Ten Commandments. Right? So there's not going to be a test for you to name all ten commandments here today. However, not only had they heard them by God, Moses had written them down. And when Moses called the people together, you know what he did? He read the ten commandments. So just so that you'll know, let, and the people, when they heard it, here's what the people confessed. Chapter 24 of the book of Exodus, here's what they said. 
we will be obedient to the word of the Lord. We will do it. We will follow the word. Well, commandment number one says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And commandment number two says, Thou shalt not make a graven image. So less than 40 days, or right at 40 days, from the time the people confess obedience to God, they would do the word of God, they have broken the first of the two commandments. So with this, I want to talk about that and shift it to a more modern and for us here today moment. Obviously, confession, what you speak is a part of your faith. I believe that. You know I believe that, right? You know I taught you many times about the power of your words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, correct? So you hear me talk about it all the time. But professing something without obedience in your own heart and life is not truly confessing the word of God. The intent of God is for you to hear and obey the word. Can I say that one more time? The intent out of God's heart for yours is that you would hear the word and that you would obey the word of God. Let me give you an example. Jesus himself shared many things in this. He taught a parable of two sons. Here's what he said. He said, first of all, and he asked a question. So I'm going to jump to the question first. The question was, which one of the two sons did the will of God? So that was the question that he posed after he shared the parable. So now let's go back and see what the parable was. The parable was, he said, there was a farm, a man, had two sons, and he told his son, he said, I want you to go into the field and work. And the one said, I'm not going to go. But later, he repented, changed his heart and mind, and he went. He asked his second son, he told his second son, he said, I want you to go out in the field and work. He said, I'm going, Dad, I'll do it. But he didn't go. So then Jesus, using that as a parable, said this, which one did the will of God? The one that said he was going to, but failed to obey, or the one that was struggling to say it, but actually did it? Are you all out there today? So what I'm talking about, we're talking about the word of faith. The word of faith is obeying. I'm going to tell you, it's not enough for you to say it. I need you to do it. Come on, somebody. It's not enough for you to say, I believe in God. How about you display by your life and lifestyle that you believe in God? Let's go farther. Jesus again said this about the generation in which he lived. This people draw near me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Because why? They don't keep the commandments of God. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus said this. Why do you call me Lord and do not do the things which I say to you to do? Here's what he said, 47th verse of the 6th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and doeth them. You want to be a man or a woman of faith, then you keep the commandments of God. Are y'all out there today? To be in faith, I'm going to hopefully keep going. I haven't got you where I want you to be yet. I haven't got that response that you're catching it. Right now you're just concerned about people dancing naked at the base of Mount Sinai and some of them dying. <laughs> to be in faith, to live in faith, to walk or journey in faith is to obey the word of the Lord. I want to come back to it. I'm telling you, to be in faith, to live in faith, to, you can't just walk, talk the talk. You've got to walk the walk. 
right? To keep his commandments, to willfully, let me say this, to cheerfully, to cheerfully be in obedience to the word of God. Let me tell you what we do as a people. You and I as believers, we study the scriptures, not just so that we'll gain a promise that we can speak and maybe we can obtain something. We would talk about the word of faith. In my heart, I'll tell you what, I'm, 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 I'm going to have to challenge myself in the days ahead to not be uh, critical of the word of faith movement because there's a part of me that can be critical of that word of faith movement because they've taken godly principles and taken them an occasion to the flesh. Because I, there, there's, the word of faith is more than just you claiming a car or speaking for a house or all those things. Jesus said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that's going to be added to you in the first place. So all you got to do is just simply obey and trust the Lord. So I want to talk to you for just a moment and tell you, we read the Word. You know why I read the Word? I don't want to just be able to have head knowledge so that I can debate somebody about my faith. I read the Word of God so that I can know Him, so I can know Him intimately, so I can know Him personally, so I can see the heart of the Father that would love me so much that He would not leave me in my sin. He would send His only Son to die in my stead so that I could have eternal life. That's why I read the Word of God, so I can know Him. And then when I know Him, there's a part of me that says, God, I want to be pleasing to You. I want to do the will of God. I can want to walk by faith. 1 John 2 and 1, my little children. 1 John 2 and 1, my little children, I write these things unto you that you sin not. Man, I ought to take an offering up right there. Let me say that. I write, catch the word, write script. I write these things unto you that you sin not. Now, I'm not really preaching about this, but there's a beauty in this as well. If any man has sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous glory to God. We have an advocate. Read that second verse with me for a moment of time. Let's go on down. We're going to read through verse number five, I think it is. He's the propitiation in our face and not faith. Excuse me, propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. It's the third verse from that infamous. Emphasis starts, hereby we do know that we know him. It's not because we give you a membership card. It's not because you come to our church. How do we know that you know him? How do we know that you were like John and you pillowed your head on his bosom and you know his heartbeat? It's because when you get up from a divine encounter with the living God, you walk differently, you talk differently, and you act differently, and you keep his commandments. And you long to keep his commandments. Let's go farther into that. I think it says in the fourth verse, let's read it on down. He that saith, I know him, and keeps not his commandments, what are you? You're a liar, and the truth is not in you. I don't care whether you're counting rosary beads. I don't care if you're taking of communion. If you're not hiding the word of God in your heart so that you get up every day to live a life that's pleasing, to the one that's redeemed your soul, then you yourself have been deceived, and the truth is not in you. Let's read further. Verse 5, but whosoever keepeth, keepeth his word. Now we drop down to 1 John 3 and 21. Talk about faith for a moment. Let me tell you how faith can be hindered in your life. Faith is hindered in your life when you're hoping for something and longing for something, and you're longing for a blessing, and you're needing a blessing in your life, and yet you're not keeping the Word of God. It will hinder faith working in your heart. 1 John 3 and 21 says, if our heart condemn us not. When does our heart condemn us? Our heart condemns us when we're being disobedient to the revealed will of God for our life. 
That's when we have conflict, internal conflict, when we know to do something but we fail to do it. If I know to do something and I fail to do it, the Spirit of God within inside of me is grieved and he convicts me of my sin. But John here surmises that if our heart is not condemning us, then it gives us confidence toward God. Then what happens when we have confidence towards God? We can ask whatsoever thing. Verse 22, we can ask whatsoever thing. It says, and we receive of him because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And I'll show you one last verse of scripture before I get off that little soapbox for a moment. 1 John 5 and 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we do what? Did I say verse it's two right there? And keep his commandments. And here it adds to it. It says, and his commandments, verse 3 it says, are not grievous. They're not grievous. Let me tell you today about the commandments of God. We love because he said love. It's a good place to say amen. I'm going to say it again. It's not always easy to love. Right? But we choose to love because we choose to obey his commandments. See, we don't just love those that love us. We love our enemies. Are you out? We, we pray for those who despitefully use us. Right? You slap our cheek, we turn it. You slap the other one, we might scrap, but we'll move on. <laughs> We give because he said give. Jace led the offering a while ago. We give because he said give. We live holy because he said, I am holy, be ye holy. We walk a different lifestyle. We gather for worship. Why do we gather for worship? Because he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Because it's the manner of some. But the more that you see the day approaching, gather together. You know what? We read, we study, we listen, we pray, we praise so that we can know him. And from that knowledge of him, we serve, we fellowship, and we discipline ourselves so that we might please him. You know why I hide his word in my heart? I don't know about you. I hide his word in my heart so that I won't sin against him. And when I have sinned, as it said, I have an advocate with the Father and the Spirit convicts me and I confess my sin because I want to forsake my sin and I want to walk in the light as He is in the light. That's our heart. Faith works by love, but love is not simply how you feel or what you say. Love is what you do. I can tell you all day long I love you, but do I display it? Do I show it? Have I altered my lifestyle so that I, that I can show you what I believe in my heart by how I live? Now, I'm not preaching salvation by works. Salvation is given by grace. Listen to, obviously, this. It's received by faith. It's not of works. But listen to what James said. James said, a man may say, here's that word profession. He may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. He said this, show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Anybody can say it. Anybody can say We live in a generation where 90% of Americans claim they believe in God, but they're not serving God. They're not obedient to God. They're not obeying the Word of God. They think the Bible's just nothing but a book of don't do this and don't do that. But when you actually know Him, you begin to read it and meditate it, and you learn His heart. His commandments are not grievous. His commandments give us life. My eyes rejoice. Open the eyes of my heart. My eyes rejoice at thy word. I rejoice as his word as a man that found great spoil because I want to be obedient unto the Father. I want to walk in his ways, and his ways are not grievous.
The children of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai, after professing faith in God and obedience to his word, within 40 days had fallen prey to idolatry and immorality. If you really love God, and say this, I'm making it personal to you, and I'm not far off from closing. If you really love God, I challenge you today, walk in faith by keeping his commandments. As a new covenant believer, you and I have the privilege opportunity to read the old covenant through the lens of the new. And so I'm not saying keep all 613 precepts of the law of Moses, but I am saying look at every one of them through the lens of Scripture and see how God is working that out in your life in this new covenant in which we walk and live in today. We don't keep the law to be saved or to be holy. We believe in Christ to be saved and to be holy. Yet we strive to obey his word because we are saved. Right? We strive to obey it. You are empowered and emboldened in faith when you're walking in obedience to the word of God. And when you're not, your heart is grieved and there's contention and conflict within. And when you are walking in faith, faith will work and you will believe and therefore you will speak. You will profess the word as you obey the word. You'll have a confidence before God. And I'm not talking about a confidence in who you are. I'm talking about a confidence when you know what he did for you on the tree. But when you're keeping the commandments of God, it gives you a confidence when you pray and petition God for the things that you long for in your life. Right? Because you're doing your very best to keep as the Spirit enables you. And I'm not talking about human effort. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about as the Spirit of God on the inside of you gives you the strength that every day of your life you are a yielded vessel unto Him and you get up and you want to be pleasing to Him in every area of your life. In your conduct, in your character, the way that you talk to others. You can't be worshiping God and talking down to your spouse. Come on, somebody. That's a terrible amen for such a powerful truth shared in the context of marriage. Listen, we can worship God in here, but we display that worship for God by how we treat others when we come out of here, right? And that's just one area of passage of Scripture. Let me just tell you about the idolatry. What Israel fell prey to was idolatry. But did you know idolatry still plagues people today who profess faith in God? Because, listen, if you profess that you know Him and yet you don't keep His commandments, it's the same as if you took a graven tool and you fashioned a golden calf. Because all you did was you say, well, I'm worshiping God, but you shaped him into something, listen to this, that you changed him into an image that was pleasing to you rather than you being changed into an instrument that's pleasing to him. Are you out there today? That's the heart of a true worshiper. The heart of a true worshiper is just like, it's not my life, Lord, it's yours. So I'm going to go back to ancient Israel in closing for a moment of time. Keep the commandments of God. So after the 3,000 have died, it's a difficult moment. Moses returns to the Lord, and he asks the Lord for atonement, even on his behalf. He said, Lord, if you're not going to save them, then don't even save me. It just reveals Moses' heart for the people of God. Upon Mount Sinai, God reaffirms his covenant first to Moses that Moses might share with the people. And he gives Moses two new stones that he writes, once again, the Ten Commandments. But he if you go back and read the dialogue, you'll, you'll notice he doesn't speak the Ten Commandments over again to Moses, but he does speak the first two. He said, don't worship any other gods and don't take a tool and make a graven image because here's what God was saying. I'm not changing for the people. 
because I'm the Lord and I change not. I expect the people to change for me. I don't know about you, church family, but that's the gospel that I'm preaching to you right now. That's the gospel. Jesus, again, said, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me? Why do you have the T-shirt? Why do you have the wristband? Why are you listening to Air One on the radio, and yet you're not obeying the Word of God? So if we're people of faith, we're people of obedience to the Word of God. So I want to now take you in closing, and I'm going to leap you ahead 40 years. So the children of Israel were on the mountain. They were on the base of the mountain. They've had this terrible experience with the golden calf. They've received death as a result of it. Moses has brought reproof and correction. And Moses has gone back up in the presence of God where he has laid down before the Lord. He's prayed for them. Oh, God, save your people. And God relents of the evil that he said that he would do. He said, I'll still bring my people into the promised land. And that's the narrative. That's the part of the journey. So I started the sermon off by reading in the book of Deuteronomy, which was 40 years later, 40 years later, and that's where Moses was at when he is reiterating those events that have taken place. And we read that as an opening text in verses 8 through 12 of the ninth chapter, where Moses has got this whole new generation of people, and he's looking back, and he's saying, let me tell you about what happened to your fathers. And isn't that ironic? Here I am thousands of years later, and I'm doing what Moses did. I'm looking back at that moment and saying, we got to learn from this. we got to learn from this because we can recreate the scenario in our generation if we're not careful. Right? By hewing out someone or something or an ideology that we call God, we bend it to our will rather than bending our will to Him. And so we're looking at it and we're trying to identify with it. So we're doing exactly what Moses is doing with the children of Israel a new generation 40 years later. But here's what I want you to see in the 10th chapter. We're closing with these last four verses of Scripture. On a very pastoral sermon day, to which I make no apologies because it's a privileged opportunity that I have to be your pastor. And as your pastor, my greatest prayer for you is that you will keep the commandments of God. Chapter 10, verse 10. Moses again says, I stayed in the mount. Like this is, he's talked about the second time. I stayed in the mount. Remember when Moses went back up on the mount? He stayed another 40 days. Let's read it together. 40 nights, the Lord hearkened unto me at that time. The Lord would not destroy thee. And the Lord said to me, arise, take your journey before the people. They may go in and possess the land. Keep them moving forward, Moses. I've put away their sin. But I want you to see these next two verses because this is the heart of God to the people of ancient Israel. But I'm going to tell you, it's his heart for you today as well. Teenager, I want you to listen to me today. Here's what God would have of you. Young adult planning your marriage, I want you to listen to me today. Planning your career, planning college, planning the military, planning the workforce. I want you to listen to me. This is what God would have of you today. Those of you that have been married, you have children, I want you to listen to me. God is wanting to speak this to your heart and life today. Singles among us, not in a relationship right now, or maybe going through a divorce or recently come through a divorce, I want you to listen to what this text says because I believe this is the heart of God for you here today. Senior saint among us, 
who already right now is planning to bring a Mexican dish to, to Young at Heart on Tuesday night. I want you to move that out of your mind for right now. And I want you to listen to me because this is what the Lord will have you to hear. This is his heart for you today. He says, and now, Israel, what doth the Lord require of you? What does he require of you? But to fear the Lord thy God and to walk in all his ways. To love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul. Pause right there. That's what the word of the Lord is to you today. If Christ were here today in the flesh on a word of faith sermon series, he might not take this moment to teach you how to speak the word of faith to get a better job. He might not take this moment to call the mountain in your life an issue on your job and you speak to it and it's going to resolve. That may not be how he takes the word of faith. He might come here and stand in this pulpit and you be in awe of the radiance of the living Christ and he turns to you and he says this. He says this to each one of you. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do, Dylan and Julie. Here's what I want you to do, Billy and Kathy. Here's what I want you to do, Randy and Gail. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And then he said, and I want you, 13th verse, I want you to keep the commandments of the Lord. Because he catch that last phrase, which I command thee this day. For thy good. The commandments of God are not grievous. They're easy to be received when your heart's right. When your heart's right, you don't repulse away from God when God corrects you. You welcome his correction because following correction comes instruction. Come on. And with it, then you walk in the ways of God. And you know how you'll be walking when you're walking in the commandments of God? Let me tell you how you're walking. Listen, listen. You're walking in faith. You're walking in faith when you're keeping the commandment. When you're loving people that it's hard to love. When you're forgiving people who hurt you deeply. When you're separating yourself from the sensualities of this age. You're keeping the commandments of God. When you gather at church. Even on days when you don't feel like going to church. Everybody has days like that. But you say, I'm going because I want to keep the commandments of God. Church family, that's faith. Faith is not just saying. Faith is obeying the word of God. Because I invite who I got. Brother Daryl, is it you today? Or I, have, I have multiple musicians here suddenly over the generation now here. I get A.A. Ron today. Faith. The word of faith is near you. Let me see if I can bring it all together for a close. Privileged opportunity. I want you to think about the challenge of life for a pastor speaking in today's generation. Number one, we're not as biblically literate as we ought to be. So I have a responsibility to, to adapt my sermon so that people can understand it who may not be as steeped in doctrinal issues. 
Yet I have to do that in the context and in a way that says, but wait a minute, I'm not going to leave you there. It's my job to take you from where you're at and to pull you to a place where you're more knowledgeable about the Word of God, right? And if I, in this short window of time, certainly can't teach you everything, certainly that I know, which is not a lot, but my hope is this, that it's a stimulus, that it's a spark, that you're like, wait a minute, man, something burns within me. I hear that, and it burns within my heart. So I've got different ages, already mentioned that so i want you to think about that different experiences different walks of life but there are some things that are consistent all the way across it doesn't matter how old you are if you're his then his desire for you is for you to keep his commands and as you keep those commands they're lived out every day of your life let me tell you what the commands of god are not they are not do not do not do not only There are a lot of do nots in the scripture. And I'm not talking about donut. I said do not. There are lots of those. There are. I'm not ashamed of those because I'm telling you, nobody, listen, nobody, nobody takes any offense at a state highway department worker that when the flood came through and wiped the bridge out. And that state highway worker comes along and builds a barrier and puts a big orange sign, bridge out, don't go, can't go any farther, turn around. Nobody takes offense at that because they're doing it to save your life, right? No one takes offense at that, but for whatever reason, we think if God says don't do something, he's keeping something good from you. God's not keeping anything good from you. He's keeping you from the evil of this age. That's his desire for you. But he doesn't just, everything with God is not about don't, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. There are far more commands to do, to go, to be, to say, to work, to love, to give, to share. It's not just don't speak words that hurt. How about speak words that lift? Are you hearing me today? So the whole point of this sermon here today is if you're going to be a person, a man or woman of faith, you can't just say it. You've got to do it. You've got to live it. And that's why that commitment in your heart, you start with the commitment in your heart, but you live it out every day. Every day that you get up, you want to be pleasing to the Lord. You want to keep the commandments of God. Put that on the screen if you would. The word of faith. The word of faith. For us today, keep the commandments of God. I think that's the word for us. I believe that. It's the word for you. Can I have our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment? I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. I'm not saying things to harm you or to hurt you. I'm taking what's written in the word of God and hopefully teaching it in a way that it stirs you to believe. That stirs you to trust It moves you to live your faith. Not just talk your faith, but to live it, to walk it. How do you do that, Pastor Brown? By keeping the commands of God. So I'm going to give a twofold invitation, as I always, almost always do. First of all, there could be someone here under the sound of my voice that has never professed, there's one of those words again, professed 
faith in Christ. Did you know that's where it begins? It begins by believing in your heart and confession with your mouth. It's part of salvation. You have heard the word. I wasn't preaching all the aspects of the cross, all the aspects of Jesus' death, but it's connected there. It's all a part of everything that we do. You can't save yourself. The word of faith is, is that we all like sheep were gone astray. But God could save you. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you need a Savior today? Do you need a propitiation, an atoning sacrifice for your sin? Church, y'all pray with me right now. There could be, did you know somebody could be right now in a moment in their life where they're right now, they're, they're, they're saying, wait a minute, this is, this, this is making, this, something is stirring. I, I, I want to give my heart. I see what you're saying, Pastor. I know I'm guilty. I know I'm sinful. Is there a way I can be delivered? Absolutely. Absolutely. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, you can be made, you can be made whole. You can be saved, born again, born by the Spirit, theological words I can't explain to you now, but it'll be changed. Your life will change by believing in your heart upon the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, slip your hand up. I'll pray with you right where you're at. Is there anyone among us, young or old alike? The church, we, I, I don't have people bow their head because I'm embarrassed. I, I, I have people bow their head so that you, so that you will take a moment to search your heart. And you'll feel at ease to slip your hand up. Is there anybody that would slip their hand up and say, Pastor Brown, pray with me today. Is there anyone today? Thank you, brother. I see that hand. Thank you so much. Thank God for that hand today. Secondly, today. Secondly, who here today and says, Pastor, that message that you preached today is for me. It's for me. Pastor Brown, pray with me today that I'm going to do more than just talk the talk. That by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, I'm going to keep the commandments of God. There have been things maybe you've been struggling with, areas of your life. I'm telling you, you need God's help. God will help you. He will strengthen you. The Spirit inside you gives you the power to keep His commandments. You can do it. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't keep the, te- the commandments of God. You can. If anybody here says, Pastor, pray with me today, that I would keep the commandments of God, I'll pray with you right where you're at today. Is there anybody? I see some hands going up all across this building. I, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I got both hands up today right now. Lord, help me to keep the commandments of God. Won't y'all stand up? We're going to pray a closing prayer. Let me tell you, I had an individual raise their hand that said, Pastor, I want you to pray with me about me giving my heart to Christ. That's where it starts, doesn't it? Doesn't it, church family? Doesn't it start? We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth. So we're going to pray a prayer of agreement as a church family. That individual that raised his hand is going to pray, and you're going to pray with him by praying out loud with me, and then I'm going to pray a closing prayer over all of us as we strive in our heart to keep the commandments of God. So let's pray together. Let's believe God, first of all. So I'm praying on behalf of the individual, the gentleman among us today that said, Pastor, pray with me about being saved. So we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, y'all pray this under your breath, if you will. You pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, today, today, I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I haven't kept the commandments of God. And today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me 
of all my sin and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Today, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and is raised again. And today, I trust him as my Lord and my Savior. I will follow you, Lord Jesus, all the days of my life. And I will keep the commandments of God. Let me pray over our church family. Let me pray with you. Father God, today, all across this room, and rightfully so, a pastoral message preached to the most beautiful of congregations was readily received as people didn't feel condemned about keeping the commandments of God, but were stirred. I pray, Lord, that you help all of us that we walk in faith by keeping your commandments, by obeying the word. But whatever you tell us to do, while we, while we, will, we will, this church family, we will search the scriptures even more readily, even more readily, Father, that we might know you and keep your word. I pray over every person, not just those who raise their hand, but even beyond, that all of us, Father, will keep your commands. And bring glory to your name by walking and living a faithful life. That we will be like James. Who said, you show me your faith apart from works. But I will show you my faith by my works. I'll show you my faith by my walking and keeping the commandments of the Lord. So I bless the people, God. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. I've given you a lot. I always.